0: With this job, it don't pay me much They give me just what they think I'm worth. I'm gonna change my mind
1: yeah. Hello, my name is Autumn Ghiat, and this is Working Girls History, a podcast of and for The Working Girl.
0: All I keep is I, as Taoiseach, on behalf of this State, the Government and our citizens, deeply regret and apologise unreservedly to all those women for the hurt that was done to them, for any stigma they suffered as a result of the time they spent in the Magdalene Laundry.
1: That was Taoiseach and Kenny delivering a formal state apology to Magdalene women in February 2013.
0: It was clear that while every woman's story was different, each of them shared a particular experience of a particular Ireland, judgmental, intolerant, petty, and prim. In the laundries themselves, some women spent weeks, others months, more of them years. The Magdalene women might have been told that they were washing away a wrong or a sin. But we know now into our shame, they were only ever scrubbing away our nation's shadow.
1: Hello, my name is Autumn Keat, and this is a special podcast episode on shame in Ireland's Magdalene laundries. The 20th century in Ireland was marked by a vast system of increasingly punitive, quasi-governmental institutions. These institutions, magdalen laundries and asylums, industrial and reform schools, and so-called mother and baby homes, were meant to hide those who had lapsed in morality from the rest of Irish society. As Dr. Clara Fisher says, these institutions were an Irish solution to an Irish problem. Magdalene Laundries, named for the biblical Mary Magdalene, the reformed prostitute and disciple of Jesus Christ, date back to the 1500s in France, but they reached their height internationally in the 19th and 20th centuries. No matter where they existed, these institutions would operate under the guise of reformation of fallen women and wayward girls. Every part of their operation was based on the premise of shame. The sisters who ran the laundries advertised refuge. But in the 20th century Ireland, what they offered upon the fallen women's arrival was a system of forced labor and abuse. Magdalene laundries were thrust into the digital age after the bodies of 155 women were found in a mass grave in Dublin, Ireland in 1993 on property previously owned by the Sisters of the Good Shepherd. Over the past 25 years... Academics, advocates, and politicians have worked to seek justice on behalf of the victims and survivors and to keep the memory of this dark history alive. The Last Laundry closed in 1996 in Donybrook. Many are searching to understand just how these institutions could have existed. The answers all seem to center around the theme of shame. Sociologist Claire Fisher calls it the politics of shame. Journalist Kayleen Hogan has dubbed the system of institutions in Ireland its shame-industrial complex, and historians Dr. Lindsay Erner-Byrne and Diane Urquhart point to the enduring culture of shame through Irish society. The first, Claire Fisher, points to an operation of nation-building, with using shame as a way of constructing a solid Irish identity. She quotes Dr. Gilmartin, the Archbishop of Toome, in 1926. The future of the country is bound up with the dignity and purity of women in Ireland. This is centered around an idea that women's virtue is entangled in the idea of nationhood, and that shame has a particularly gendered consequence. So to differentiate Irish identity from British identity, this tool of shame to keep the female population pure and chaste was used and anyone who was no longer perpetuating these values not only did they internalize the shame but they were shamed by their own society. It's this culture that allowed them to become victims and particularly susceptible to institutionalization in Ireland. On the other end the shame industrial complex as Hogan refers to it, hints at a service that the church and its religious orders were providing to Irish society, meeting the demand of the people who wanted to hide pregnancy and moral infractions from their broader communities and society. Hogan points to the fact that these institutions were not a subculture. This was a mainstream set of experiences hidden in plain sight. Everyone knew somebody in Ireland who was connected to these institutions. And in fact, the economic part of this was also categorizing the women who were institutionalized into their usefulness in regards to labor. When women were brought into these institutions, their occupation was of special note. Women who were service workers would be segmented into different institutions because They were seen as capable because they had already proved that they were working girls. And what we hear, too, in Enda Kenny's apology is that these women are washing away the shame and sins of Ireland. And that was in its most literal sense true. The inquiries have found that the women in these institutions were actually washing the laundry of the state. And dating as far back as 1926, the Irish government was worried about the fact that the Magdalene women were unpaid, but they weren't worried enough to stop the state from using the services of these institutions. Some of the governmental departments that used these institutions, the Magdalene laundries, were the Department of Defense and the Ministry of Health, just to name two. And then finally, this enduring culture of shame that historians Lindsay Ernerburn and Diane Urquhart point to can be really pinpointed after Irish independence. In fact, the abusive nature of Magdalen Laundries didn't escalate until after independence. In 1922, we start to see a development of a narrative of moral superiority to their former colonizer, the United Kingdom and part of establishing Irish superiority and Irish moral superiority was a very strict governance of female behavior. Shame and secrecy were fundamental to controlling the population and to making sure that Irishness was something that could be seen as respectable and also economically dependable. With all of these various practices at play by the state by the Catholic Church and the society that bought into the services of the Magdalen Laundries. Shame cannot be removed from the equation. It's this emotion that needs a lot more investigation, not only from a social perspective or from a philosophical perspective, but as historians write on these histories was rest on moral regulation.
0: We can ask ourselves as the families we were then, what was worthy, what was good, about the great euphemism of putting away our daughters, our sisters, our aunties. Those values, those failures, those wrongs characterized Magdalen Ireland. Today we live in a very different country with a very different consciousness and a very different awareness. An Ireland where we have more compassion more empathy, more insight, more heart. And we do, because in naming and addressing the wrong, as is happening today, we're trying to make sure we quarantine such abject behavior in our past and eradicate it from Ireland's present and from Ireland's future.
1: In this historical moment, Kenny's words spoke to the government's contemporary attitudes of the Magdalene victims and survivors. Apologies, but also an eagerness to shove this dark history to the confines of the past. This has been a brief discussion on shame in Magdalene laundries in Ireland.